0: But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her.
1: Thank you, Susan. I'd just like to welcome all of you watching on the stream. It's uh, good to have you uh, with us today. And we're the theme today is preparing for Christmas. And you can see... Uh, Tom uh, Ward and Michael, and who was the other person, Tom? Yeah, yeah, have been preparing these wonderful drapes, which do take a bit of high ladders to get up. So I think it's a round of applause for you <laughs> for doing that. Thank you. It does make it look lovely, and gradually the decorations do increase uh, over Christmas. But I say, we're talking about preparing for Christmas, and it's interesting that Advent, Advent, the season of Advent, like Lent is a time of preparation. During Lent, we supposedly give up things or take up things. And the purpose of doing that, of taking things up or giving things up, is to really strip away the things we use to mask the uncomfortableness that we feel in our lives. I mean, a simple thing like, you know, giving up chocolate, for example. You know, we eat chocolate to feel better, rather than having the feeling that we would normally feel. And we sometimes drink for the same reasons. It masks the feelings that we have. And in Lent, the idea is to give these things up to allow us to feel what's really going on in our lives, so that we can face the reality and stand more openly As we face the divine at Easter. That's that's the sort of idea of it, to to enable us to really feel what's going on. You know, like I mentioned last week, not tidying your house up before your guru comes. Such a great idea, you know, not tidying your house up. My son went and saw Ward with his computer uh, uh, yesterday, and he said, Oh, my desktop was completely a mess. And it was great because Ward was able to see what was actually really going on uh, with his computer. And, you know, that's the idea, you know, to stand in a more truthful way so as to be more in union with the reality uh, of our lives. And that's Lent. And really, Advent serves the same purpose. But this time, we're preparing for the arrival of the divine. And the symbols we have for the arrival are the arrival of the Christ child and the second coming. And we're preparing ourselves for these things. Interesting enough, with Advent, if you're in a... I was going to say a proper church. They cover up the cross, both in Advent and Lent. And all the symbols are covered up. Um, it's as if they're not here yet, both in Advent and in Christmas. And there's a sort of covering up of that. and And we're preparing. And the echoes of that preparation that we have are within the traditions that all of us have at this time. The Advent calendar is a sort of countdown to Christmas. And in most households, it represents you know, the mounting excitement of presents and everything like that. But, but the prayers and the Bible readings are actually also a form of preparation. You know, the making of the Advent wreath and the Christmas tree and the special food and the candles and the liturgy and the prayers are all intended to act as a form of preparation, of us saying, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And that word literally means Emmanuel, means God with us. Imam, which is with us, and El is God. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what we're preparing for at Christmas. We're preparing for union with God, symbolised by the baby in the manger and the second coming. So our preparation for Advent is the preparation of the realisation of God being with us. That's the preparation. And if you remember, I've said this before, Jesus in the icons in those Russian pictures is always portrayed with two fingers up like this. And that, he's always representing the two natures that he has, which is one is human and one is divine. Those are the two natures that he's always represented of having. Now, the the idea that I like to have is to hold is that Jesus didn't come to be worshipped as God. That wasn't his purpose in coming. But for me, he came to show us our potential as human beings, to show us that we have two natures, one human or material and one divine. And that therefore each of us has that divine nature within us ready to be realised that that's part of who we are as human beings and that the true potential of humanity is those two expressions the material and the divine together and that is a a true human being the human and the divine together and that is really what jesus is is suggesting and we've grown now in our in our lives in in the life of the planet in evolution to a point where we are now able to realize that we do have a divine nature and that our purpose is to realize it. That that is a transformation in human consciousness, to realize that, to open ourselves to that aspect of consciousness capable of expressing the divine. For us to open ourselves to that aspect, just the potentiality of that, to realize that is a movement in consciousness in itself. I mean, it wasn't there, you know. For years, it's always been God up there and us down here. Now, there is a transformation. We realize that we can realize that in the divine. And that's what we're preparing for in Advent, that realization. Not just a celebration of the arrival of Jesus in the manger, but the arrival of the divine nature within each of us. So the candle we've lit this week is the candle of truth. And the truth that we're confronting ourselves with is our place in the universe as not just part of humanity, not just part of the material side, but as part of the divine. And that's a difficult thing to understand, let alone to realise. There's so much evidence that we're just another board or a part of the material world. To realise that we're part of the divine is a difficult thing. And when we think about truth, and this is the candle of truth, when we think about truth, you know, most of us, when we, when we say the word truth, we think about accurateness. Accurateness and correctness is really where truth is at at the moment. But that meaning really only came into common parlance in the 14th century. The meaning of truth being accurateness and correctness. The original meaning of truth came from a West Saxon word or a Mercian word, treoey. And that had more of a meaning of faithfulness than accuracy. So truth was more originally about faithfulness. It was more about words like faithful, trustworthy, honest, steady in adhering to promises and friends. You know, that sort of trustfulness. And truth in those days was something that could be relied upon. Something that could be relied upon. And you can see how that has morphed into accuracy and correctness, which is what we have today. You know, We think about truth more in terms of accuracy, not lying. You will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Accuracy and not lying. But I think the idea of a greater truth being something that you can rely on is more interesting. It speaks about the idea of reality. And reality is something that you can rely on. That lovely, I love that quote from, I always mention Philip K. Dick, who said, reality was that which continues to exist after you've stopped believing in it. Reality is that which continues to exist after you've stopped believing in it. It's something you can rely on. It is something solid. And I like the way that that informs the definition of spirituality that Rowan Williams uses, which is, the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love a sensitive and spirituality being the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love eternal truth literally permanent reliability eternal truth permanent reliability now as an old advertising man i would love to put that on products Firestone tires, permanent reliability. Dyson, they've all paid me for this. Dyson vacuum cleaners, permanent reliability. It's nice to say, but it's not really true. But in the case of this truth, eternal truth, the eternal truth of spirituality, this is just what's being suggested. Permanent reliability. That's something that is eternally true and is always able to be relied upon, and therefore has absolute reality. That's an interesting thought, permanent reliability, eternal truth. And in this sense, the truth can be relied on and has absolute reality. That truth which can be relied on and is absolute reality is the divine nature. That is the eternal truth that we can rely on. And last week I mentioned you know, that bit from 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And within that, faith, hope, and love, and the grace of these is love, is the reliability word, the truth word, faith, that which can be relied upon. You know, in, in the Aspen Chapel, when we talk about the purpose of religion, I always like to say that religion is about living life more skillfully. And the fundamental skill is really working out what you can rely on. That is the fundamental skill. What is true? What is trustworthy? What can you have faith in? And last week, we talked about the idea of having hope in love. And this week, we're talking about having faith in being able to rely on the reality of the divine nature. And there's a slight difference in that. It's, it's, it's relying on that reality. And it's this that we're uncovering and realising in Advent. That is, that is what we're preparing for. Remember Evelyn Underhill's definition of the mystic. Mysticism is the art of union with reality. Mysticism is the art of union with reality. Union which can be, with that which can be relied upon. Union with that which can be relied upon—the divine nature, our Christ nature. I mean, you know, for purists among us, you could call it the Tao, the Atman, you know, Brahman, or I wrote down here Barman, which is probably wrong. That's a totally a Barman is a totally different thing from Brahman. Um, whatever, but here we're at Christmas, so if you'll allow me, we'll talk about. We'll stick to the Christ nature for this christmas christ mass literally the mass that is the eucharist of christ christ mass that's where it comes from and the reason it's called a mass the mass the reason actually that catholics call it the mass uh, when they talk about you know the eucharist the holy communion is because in latin this is this is why the, it's called a mass in latin the eucharist ends with the words ite missa est that's how they ended. it. missa es. It's the dismissal. Dismissal. Literally, it means go. It has been sent. And because they heard that word missa, it was called the Mass. So, but literally, go. It has been sent. So the Christ Mass is the sending out of the Christ. It is the realization of the Christ within ourselves, and the sending out of that into the world. That is what it's about. And so the challenge of Advent and Christmas is to have that same Christ born in us. That famous quote from Meister Eckhart who said, "What good is it what good is it to me if the son of born Mary what good is it to me if the son of God is born to Mary 1400 years ago but is not born in my person in my culture in my time? What good is it if Mary the son of God, 1,400 years ago, if it's not born in my person, in my culture, and in my time. That's what the challenge is. And Evelyn Underhill says, the incarnation, which is the word made flesh, carnation, the word coming into flesh, which is for popular Christianity synonymous with the historical birth and earthly life of Christ, is for the mystic, not only this, but also the perpetual It's a perpetual and cosmic personal process. It is an everlasting bringing forth in the universe and also in the individual ascending soul of the divine and perfect life, the pure character of God. It is the realization of Christ within us. So no pressure then this Christmas to realize the Christ. And of course, the question is, you know, how do I do it? How do I realize the Christ? And of course, the answer is, you don't. You don't. You just have to get out the way. That's how you do it. You have to get out the way. We can't bring forth that divine nature. We can't do it ourselves. <laughs> so that? You know, we can only make ourselves less so that the Christ nature can be more. That's all we can do. Make ourselves less so the Christ nature can be more. So our preparation is really an emptying out. As in Lent, we strip away the props that we've created to carry on and therefore reveal the more of who we are. In Advent, we let go of our willfulness. In Advent, we let go of our willfulness. We let go and let be. Almost the reverse of the normal growing expectation of, what will I be getting for Christmas? You know, the presents, the food, the family, the huge expectation that we put on ourselves, and the inevitable disappointment, and the letdown. You know, what we're asked, in fact, to do is the reverse. We have to try and open ourselves to that what my Eckhart calls, wanting for nothing, willing nothing, and knowing nothing, emptying ourselves out. And that's so exemplified by the passage that Susan read about Mary that we heard today. You know, the angel visits her and lays all this stuff on her. You know, greetings, you are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Lord is, notice the Emmanuel bit is in there, the Lord is with you. And then Mary, of course, was greatly troubled, wondering what these words might mean, like us worrying about how on earth do we realise the Christ nature. And he says, do not be afraid. Always a key thing. Do not be afraid. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you think you've got problems. Imagine, you know... You are going to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. You know. And Mary, quite sensibly, the Bible says, how will this be, she says, since I'm a virgin? Or for us, you know, how do I realise that divine nature within me given I'm just a Joe Schmo? And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, it's not you doing it, God's going to do it. And her response, and this is everything that Mary is, this is really the reason Mary's up there, this response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. Just total humility. And that's it in a nutshell as Julian of Norwich would have said. That's it in a nutshell. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. It's total humility. That is what's asked of us at Advent. And that's what Mary is known for. It was her emptiness that allowed her to be filled by the Christ. And it was, it's our emptiness that allows us to express the Christ nature. You know, Thomas Merton puts it perfectly I've read this before, but, you know, it's worth hearing again. He says, God utters me like a word containing a partial thought of himself. A word will never be able to comprehend the voice that utters it. But if I am true to the concept that God utters in me, if I am true to the thought of him I am meant to embody, I shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself. And find myself nowhere. I shall be lost in him. That is, I shall find my true self. I shall be saved. In other words, I shall become the Christ nature. And that's how we prepare for Christmas. We prepare to become Christ to all who are around us, to be Christ at our table, to welcome Christ in others, to witness to the appearance of the Christ child in the world by realising it in ourselves. Let's pray. So Lord, we do pray for our world at this time of Christmas. Always such a difficulty between the news headlines And what goes on in churches at Christmas, the devastation, the difficulty, the wars, and O little town of Bethlehem. Lord we just pray that this Christmas some of the nature of Christ may appear in the hearts of our leaders, the hearts of leaders all over the world and that we may be part of a solution in realising the nature of that love in the world pray for our town as people come to visit this Christmas, pray for safety, pray for all those on the mountainside at the moment working, helping, up and down the valley looking after people. Lord we pray your blessing upon them and for ourselves and our community that we may open our tables at Christmas to others, that we may be the Christ that welcomes and loves those around us. And particularly pray for those in our community who are suffering. Pray, thinking today of Lorna Peterson, who's just uh, recovering from back surgery. Pray for Anne Hodges, Tegan Sullivan, Elaine Pagels, Paul Mayer, Cherise, Valbert Karlberg, Elise Strickland and Carter, Maureen Hirsch, Will Welsh, Barbara Orcutt and Patricia Hill. And today we also pray for the family of Catherine Myers, who died last week of a, a brain tumour. We've been praying for her over the last uh, few weeks. We just pray for their family. Lord, we just ask you to comfort and look after those people. Enable them to come to recovery, pray in Jesus' name. Amen.